Yeah. Well, you can stretch it to 80 days. So it's a big initial investment, but if you stretch it and you just replace some of the GH that you're running, so you take two IUs of GH off, you go from, let's say, six IUs to four IUs and you add in the Incrolex, I think you can get much better results. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Gear with coaches Skip Hill, Andrew Berry, and myself, Scott McNally. All of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com. Use our code THINK for additional savings, high-quality, third-party tested supplements from a company that you can trust. We are brought to you by... Let's give a shout-out to Scott Stevenson because he needs one. BYOBVcoach.com. Get your book, Be Your Own Bodybuilding Coach. I never mentioned him on this show, so I wanted to give Scott a mention because he's always commenting and sharing stuff, watching the show with us from the live stream on the uh, Facebook group. And of course, you can reach out to any of us for coaching, bodyberry.com, uh, teamskip.com, mcnallydiets at gmail.com. We're also brought to you by supplementsource.ca for Canadians. And thank you to everybody from Patreon. I think I've got some Patreon questions today. We had a topic that a few people have asked us about. And there's some nuances to this topic, which was how to get into uh, how to grow muscle how can we grow the most amount of muscle possible um while not getting fat so we we want to cover that today real quick though i wanted to ask you do you guys have it i can't remember do you guys have experience with uh incrolex either of you have you used incrolex or know anybody who has no back in like 2017 me and matt porter were gonna buy a bunch but then we both <laughs> kind of decided not to um yeah, because we had to buy like $10,000 of it at once. And oh, God. Neither of us, yeah, we didn't want to put in 5K each and because then we'd probably use it all. Like, you yeah. Know. <laughs> so, and then we'd probably have like a third kidney growing and end up, you know, dying young. So, so no, I have never used it. I don't have any athletes that have ever used it to my knowledge. It's yeah, one of yeah. those compounds that's really hard to get your hands on uh, from, from my experience. And uh, it's rather expensive, more expensive than growth hormone. Um, so, yeah, no. Huh. How about you, Skip? Do you have you ever had any clients that have used Incrolex? Nope. And uh, I, I think it's funny though that Andrew makes that point. You probably use it all. It's kind of like when you have a bunch of growth hormone. <laughs> Dosages typically go up when you have more on hand. Yeah. Than yeah. if you have to keep getting it. And and um, yeah, I'll be honest. I don't know a whole lot about it. To be, honest. I haven't looked into it much because it is so ridiculously expensive and the risk of all of those nasty things that can go wrong you know what it is it's one of those things where i go <laughs> and there's been a couple times over the courses you know that i've been training over the last 40 years and training people this is one of those things where i'm like yeah let everybody else experiment with it and we'll see how <laughs> we'll see what happens and i'll look into it after that i heard of a couple people in the uk i'm not going to mention specific names you guys would know who they are that had gotten Incrolex and they they didn't get a lot they said that they were able to like get a little bit and they split it between themselves and uh, I, I don't really I don't I didn't really hear too much feedback there's only one person I know and that is Vigorous Steve has been experimenting with it like big time he had it on his channel it's probably like a it's probably a big good move like to try that stuff on YouTube you know what I mean like hey here's a good experiment I'm gonna try Incrolex everybody wants to know because I'm in the same boat man I never tried it I don't have a single client that's ever tried it yeah, it's definitely one of those um, cost prohibitive supplements. Yes, out there. I'm sure he probably wouldn't uh, t 
tell us the pricing he had gotten it for. Nor would we want to do that on YouTube. But I wonder if we could. I wonder if I could get Steve here. Hold on, just a second. Let me try to. Well, do while you're here. doing that, Andrew, yeah. you can give a better breakdown of it than I can. Because look, the listeners. There's got to be a lot of listeners right now who are like, "What, what the hell is that?" I'm sure that some people know but others may not do you have a just a kind of a cliff notes version of you know what what is how would you explain what it is so i mean we're all familiar with growth hormone and how growth hormone exhibits its its you know growth like effects in terms of stimulating igf1 release from the liver and in this case Incrolex is literally um IGF-1. It's you're, you're taking away that that step of having the liver produce it. You're putting it right in your system. Um, so it, it's a drug that was like prescribed to underweight and underdeveloped children, uh, particularly. Uh, I believe like the the um, generic name or the the chemical name is uh, uh, Mecasermin. I'm probably pronouncing pronouncing it wrong, but um, yeah. And then you know some of the dangers. You know side effects. You know hypoglycemia is is you know one of the more benign ones because that's fairly easy to to fix, right? You eat something. Um, I know that uh, some people develop rashes from using it, but then you know on the far end of the spectrum, you know cancer is is the right. is the main you know um, precautionary thing to look for when using it. And you know we should have had Scott Stevenson on because I'm sure he could explain it better. But the way I understand it is that when you produce your own IGF one, there is um, there's like a an antibody produced with it, or maybe I'm saying that backwards. When when you take the IGF one, I believe your body doesn't recognize it as um, there's a. Taking- I think oh. I, I I think I remember uh, Eric Serrano was talking about this. Hold on, yeah. a second. let me let me see something though really quick. Whoa! <laughs> how did you, you get him to your house? That's, <laughs> That's pretty impressive. Weird. This is a mail order. It's faster yeah, you just than most ran out sources. and picked him up. I mean, yeah. What Sorry, I, I set you guys. I set you guys up. <laughs> that is wild. Be For a minute there, I thought it was AI because with all I've been hearing all this AI <laughs> stuff, really, I'm, like, I'm the real deal. We're, we're actually together. <laughs> I set you guys up. It, we did go to the gym earlier, and we did get stuck yeah. in traffic. That's why I was late. Like we, there was a we should have been back on time, yeah. but I. I didn't want to tell you guys. I was like, how can we set this up to like, I didn't want to tell you guys. I wanted to get live on the show and then surprise you that Steve was here. Yeah, we had to get <laughs> a pump first. Really well the because because you, you did look like super stressed out and you were eating really quick. Oh, that was all real. That was all real. I'm trying to get the show ready. I'm, I'm late. And now you played it off really well. How you doing, Steve? Good, good. I had a horrible trip from Beijing uh, to uh, Detroit, but so far so good. I, I arrived this morning at 7 a.m. He came to pick me up. I had a quick one-hour power nap, and then we went to Powerhouse Gym, which was great. And that's why we're late. Yeah. Um, and now we're here about uh, ready to talk about Incrolex. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry? What did you train today? Uh, back. A little bit of back. Yeah, nice. a little bit of biceps. Awesome. We didn't have so much time because we knew we were running late. So Yeah, if we would have cut it one bicep exercise short at the end, we had to throw in, they had the Strive bicep curl yeah. machine. And mm-hmm. we, and we so we used that. Had we not done that exercise, we would have made it a little bit sooner. Although, right. had traffic not been bad, we would have been here on time. But then we also wouldn't have had the arm pump that we yeah, were able to bring with us. You since, know what I'm saying? Since I'm no longer on the Ecolex <laughs> for an entire week, I had to get a pump first. Otherwise, I don't <laughs> know what I'm talking about. So, <laughs> so to paraphrase Scott, it's essentially Steve's fault that 
word. It's totally Steve's fault. Yeah, it's my fault. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I take the blame. My, my sincere apologies, guys. So the Increlex thing was literally just finding a way. I was like, how can we yeah. bring you on? Yeah. How can we talk about you and say, like, yeah. well, you know what I mean? So now I'm interested. To, so you are using Increlex. Yeah, so I, I ran it for about six weeks uh, in between. I, I ran it for 10 days up until the Japan holiday, and I gained a boatload of size because I think either receptors were fresh or my IGF-1 binding proteins were very, very low, right? Binding protein 1, 3, and a couple of the other ones. And then I came back from Japan. I ran it again for about a month. So total time on Increlex was about six weeks. I got less of a response, uh, but I still filled out quite a bit and I recomped on 2,500 calories and keep in mind guys I've been off steroids for like 10 months to get my wife pregnant um, so this was the only small experiment that I was able to run but I was still able to kind of recomp into like 98 kilos so that's 220 pounds uh, with good strength and good size but it goes it, the fullness and the size goes away quite rapidly as well so I checked my my Increlex or my IGF-1 levels in serum, I went from about 175 to 340, give or take. So that's okay. not super high. And yeah, my IGF-1 binding proteins went from, I think, 3,500 to 5,500, which is just at the top of the reference range. And it comes back down within two or three days after stopping it as really? well. So it was, it was a fun experiment. I have seven more uh, kits in the fridge. And my wallet is crying right now. How long does the <laughs> kit last? Um, so actually, so when you look at the cost-wise, basically, if you run 500 micrograms per day, it costs about the same as two IUs of growth hormone. Oh, okay. So it's actually quite affordable. The problem is, is that Increlex is 40 milligrams for a four milliliter vial, pre-mixed. And of course, everybody in my comment section went nuts. It's already pre-mixed. How can you still use this? <laughs> well, my, my blood work shows that it's still active. But I do know people who bought it online and it shows up cloudy. So it's completely denatured. Uh, and that's, uh, that's very, perfect. yeah, that's because it, it costs for a single vial. Yeah. But you can stretch it to 80 days. So it's a big initial investment. But if you stretch it and you just replace some of the GH that you're running, so you take two IUs of GH off, you go from, let's say, six IUs to four IUs and you add in the Increlex, I think you can get much better results. Let me I've play also, the other side real quick. Mm -hmm. I'm curious because you said that when you came back to it the second time, you didn't think you responded as well. Yeah. Could it be because it was already reconstituted and was degrading? No, it was the same, the same vial. So what I did is I had the, the vial, I transferred it to four sterile vials, and then I mixed in bacteriostatic water just to dilute it a little bit because the concentration is so high that on the insulin syringe, if you want 500 micrograms, it's literally like 0.5 IU. So you, mm -hmm. it's, it, so you have to dilute it with another four milliliters. Every 10, milli, 10 milligrams of IGF-1, you dilute with four more milliliters of sterile water. And then, so I went through the first vial and the second vial, and then I, I gave some to some friends of mine to try it out. And they got a great response initially, um, but they didn't take that break. I think maybe because my body was just more receptive and my diet was a little bit different. I ate more before I went on holiday, and then I ate less afterwards because I wanted to look good for Swiss. Yeah, I'm just yeah. sorry that we're not that good of friends. Yeah, so I, I dude, I, I found, tried to find ways to bring it in here, but Chinese Chinese uh, TSA is horrendous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chinese TSA. It took me three hours to pass immigration there. So if I didn't pass through China, I would have his fridge would be full with 
Oh, well, it's just—it's probably because they knew who you were. That's all. Yeah. Well, Steve would have woke up. I would have been like, I don't know where it went, Steve. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, so I'm supposed to be a keeper of everything in the fridge? I don't know. I think that's vigorous, Steve. We better pull him aside. It wouldn't yeah. sound like that. It would sound like. Yeah, yeah, and I know that's really, oh, really man. racial, but it's yeah. still funny. So what? It was, it was pretty <laughs> intense going to China, but it was fun. It was fun. Let me ask you, Steve. There also. Yeah. Were you taking a single dose per day, or were you breaking it up into multi dose? So I had a, a consultation with Scott Stevenson because he's obviously very knowledgeable on the subject. Um, so he gave me some uh, guidelines um, to kind of follow. So I, I tried pre workout administrations for a week. I tried post workout. I tried pre bed for a while. But it seems that the pre workout administration gives you the most fullness. Yeah, I can see mo- that. And the most nutrient absorption, even though technically, if you do it pre workout bilaterally, let's say you train chest and you do 250 micrograms left and right, then it would leak out of the skeletal muscle through uh, through the increased blood flow. And then it yep. would bind up to binding protein, so you get a diminished effect systemically. But locally, I think you can still get a good response, you know, okay. from the insulin-like, uh, you know, effects that it, that it has overlapping into the insulin receptor. Okay. So it's, it's, it's quite interesting. Yeah. Um, but for recovery, I think, honestly, since it has such a long half-life and they say that it doesn't work if it binds to the IGF-1 binding protein, but you have that other product, Iplex, which is literally uh, mescarsamine, uh, Incrolex, IGF-1 bound to uh, the IGF-1 binding proteins, and then mm-hmm. it was shipped frozen. But I don't think it's produced nowadays. Hmm. And okay. that was used for the same medical treatments for uh, kids with short stature that were yeah. IGF-1 deficient. Yeah. And then they, they inject like 0.04 to 0.12 milligrams per kilogram of body weight. So I would have to go up to 12 milligrams per day. Yeah, Boom. yeah that's, that's, that's what I was, because I was going to say, because I, I know that it's about 40 to 80 micrograms mm. um, per kilogram, sometimes up to twice a day for, for short stature yeah. children. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to do the math to figure out what the dose would be for you if you were following the, yeah. the childhood recommendation. And 12 milligrams. Yeah. So, so there goes your wallet. So this is unaffordable. Yeah. But I, so I, that's where I was getting at because I started off by saying that it's one of the more expensive compounds you can add in. I don't know for a fact what, say, someone like Nasser was taking, but I know that he mm-hmm. – I've heard many stories about how he was using it. Yeah. I mm-hmm. would assume he was probably on that 12 or 15 milligram dose a day because I don't think money was the obstacle for him in, in that situation. Right. Would you guys yeah, well, agree? Well, when I meet Milos again at the Mr. Olympia, I'll ask him in private <laughs> yeah. to see, see if he has any insights. Mm-hmm. And I talked to several IFB pros who reached out after I posted it public. And some guys ran 500 micrograms, some ran 200 micrograms, but I've talked to a couple of guys who ran four to five milligrams per day. Wow. Okay. And those okay. were the guys who mutated in an off season. Huh. So. I have yeah. a feeling, I'm just throwing it, this is complete speculation, but you guys seen James Hollingshead lately? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The dude, he, oh, I see. Okay. I'll, I'll stop right there with that smile. <laughs> because, like, oh, in my are, mind, there, this there is where I'm European mind coaches went, I, that, uh, that are able to get this. Well, when I saw his physique, I wouldn't say a transformation because he hasn't like posted like a before and after or anything, but I'm mm-hmm. like looking at him and I'm like, that dude found some Incrolex. There's no doubt in my mind. He like, looks so good. He's just well, like he was already so a great up. pro. He was yeah. already a big dude, a great pro, already super strong, but now mm-hmm. he's like 320 pounds in the same condition, carrying yeah. more muscle mass. His structure looks even better now. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, that's not this guy learning how to train. He's always known how to train. It's not a new diet. It's not changing his, his steroids. He found a new compound. 
like anchor lax it'd be like someone starting growth hormone the first time and i know yeah. he's already been running growth hormone because i'm friends with right. some of his coaches so it's right. like now nah, he found anchor lax that, that, i think that's, i think Milo's, we're speculating james yeah, we're speculating. speculating we love you yeah, yeah. you have great physique <laughs> guys don't take this as this is not fact it's not fact. <laughs> but i think but, also with milos it's you know milox can be a little bit extreme you know on the insulin protocol so if, if he's running true. like 50 to 80 mm-hmm. ius of lantus again speculating and as a mumalog and a pedra and, and what what else not you know with workouts and, and certain meals and yeah. you can get that folders real quick. But I know there are European coaches out there who have direct contact to Incrolex sources. Mm-hmm. And that's why their athletes are always lean and muscular, even in the yeah. off season, because yeah. all the nutrient partitioning is just there, you know, and they run yeah. milligrams, allegedly. 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 <laughs> so last question I have on this topic myself, but you guys, I don't know if you guys have more. Mm-hmm. How does it compare to IGF LR3? Which is what we probably all, if any of us have used IGF, that's probably, you know what I mean? Like what we so have. So with IGF on LO3, I tried many different sources out there. Some are better than others. Um, you get an effect, you get that pump, right? If you take it bilaterally pre-workout. And it's the same with IGF1 desk. Sometimes it really works. Sometimes it doesn't work at all. Again, it depends on the source. But that's kind of child's play compared to the <laughs> Because, yeah, 250 micrograms bilaterally is, is insane fullness. Even when you barely eat to, you know, recomp and do, do some cardio and don't have so much carbs, it's like everything gets sucked into the muscle and it just yeah. sticks there. And the weird thing is what I also noticed is that it improves your endurance a lot. So really? with heavy strenuous sets, like 9 to 12 reps, where normally you would be winded, you get off the machine or the exercise and you're like, oh, okay, easy. You walk 30 seconds, you can go again. Hmm. And with intra-workout nutrition, it's even better. Yeah, hmm. so it's like literally everything gets sucked up. And I, I didn't use anything besides ACG and FSH for fertility purposes. So my testosterone levels are like 700 nanograms per deciliter. So it's not like that is a compounding factor. It's not like I'm on Anadrol and Tred <laughs> and whatever else. That is just 2.4 I use a GH before bed and then Incrolex around the workout. And I had a great six weeks. But I feel that this compound is wasted on me. Right now, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not on cycle and not trying to grow. So I used the most expensive body recomposition drug out there. Yeah. And and now it's just sitting there in the fridge for when my wife is pregnant. And I do want to you know, look a little bit better than, you know, just a swimmer, swimmer physique. Yeah. That's, That's awesome. Great. I'm not usually I'm, this quiet. No, no, I'm happy. You're not. To, I'm, I'm <laughs> happy to me, talk to someone that actually used it. You know, yeah, yeah that's kind of where I am. I'm just. It's always one of those like, oh, you hear stories and you read yeah, stuff, yeah. but it's never direct. Hey, this is what I've experienced. This is what I felt. These are my doses. So right. I'm really happy to. I mean, I'm always happy to have you on, Steve. But I'm really happy we're yeah. having this conversation, honestly. Yeah, yeah, but it's surprisingly a lot of IFB pros reached out. Yeah, some that, from that, Germany, that. some from the UK, some from America. Some guys that were able to get like their hands on one, you know, single vial. So they have 40 mm-hmm. milligrams and they made it stretch like 80 days. So 500 micrograms per day and they got great results. And they showed me the before and after pictures and you're like, oh, yeah, that's some serious shit. And of course, these guys are completely dialed in. So this is just icing on the cake. But it's it's yeah. it's a big, it's a fat layer of icing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and it's actually quite cost effective when you look at it that way. I mean, the initial investment is a couple hundred dollars. But, you know, when you stretch it out, it's quite doable. I think also sourcing too, like, you know, because yeah. I, I, I did see someone selling some fake packaging, I think, um, on the message yeah. board. Ago, and you could easily spot if you just looked up, you know, a real bottle. You could, mm-hmm. it was one of those things that was designed to fool like someone that was like just getting into the sport and it, right. oh, Incrolex, like that's a drug, a buzzword that I've heard that I should try to get my hands on. And, <laughs> you know, but yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I got very lucky and it was all, uh, well, let's say hand carried into Thailand through proper <laughs> supply chain. 
And uh, it's all sold now, unfortunately. But really? I got seven boxes in the fridge. So if anybody wants to come to Thailand and take 10 milligrams <laughs> off me. <laughs> there you go. You got to go to Thailand for your steroid holiday or your Incrolex holiday. Then, you know, uh, you should it, kind of set up Thailand as like the new Dubai oxygen gym. Yeah. All the athletes, like, you know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. it's, it's cost effective to live there. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like you got great access to PEDs and it sounds like you got mm -hmm. good gyms. You should yeah. set up like Camp Steve thought, and just... You know? There you go. I, th I thought about doing a seminar. Yeah, doing yeah. like a one week camp. Be on a seminar, and, they'll uh, be like, "Hey, I got you a condo for fifteen weeks. Mm -hmm. Like, want to come out here to do your prep and then do one of the European shows? Like, this is your spot. We have access to everything right. you need. You know, here's my fee, etc." Well, what I do notice is that most bodybuilders come to do that and then they fall off the wagon because there's too many distractions. Ah, too many yeah, exactly. Uh, too many, too many fun stuff to do. You know, too many restaurants to eat, too many girls to meet, and. Uh, yeah. That's why Kuwait works so well with oxygen. They just, just lock you down. No you know, there's nothing to see. Yeah. Just yeah. at the gym and at the the hotel or whatever they have you set up at. You're done. Yeah. Yeah. Kuwait is not much. Maybe one shopping mall, or at least from what I remember going there. They have a lot of gyms. I there. heard they got people that run and get anything you need anyway. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. like, oh, I need new boxers. And they're like, oh, no problem. What, what kind do you want? And they go out and get them for you. Or, oh, yeah. I need a toothbrush. And they come back with eight different types of toothbrushes for you. <laughs> so as you long know. as you can Yeah, but isn't that kind of like just being in prison, but with a really nice commissary? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, well, when I, I talked mean, to it, I, talked I, I think it probably would psychologically start to you know, start to wear. And I understand that there are some people that do want to lock in and do that. But if you really try to break that day down, you're yes. going to be pretty damn excited to get to the gym because that's the only, <laughs> mm -hmm. that's, that's the, the only plan. other thing you're doing. That's their yeah. plan. Yeah. That's how they get those results. You know? So, so when I talked with Regan Grimes, when he was there in 2017 or 18, when I went to oxygen gym as well, or maybe it was a little bit later, maybe 19, I can't really remember. Mm -hmm. So he, basically his day was the same every single day. You wake up, you go to the gym for cardio and abs, you have one or two meals, you train, you have a couple more meals, you play video games in the meantime, then you do another training session with some posing and maybe some cardio and then another two meals. And then, you know, stuff we won't talk about yeah. on camera. <laughs> In the meantime, some deep tissue massage therapy. But the the housing complex was literally next to the gym. Yeah. So all you do is walk there. You walk through the parking yeah. lot covered with uh, insulin syringes. Also interesting. <laughs> so yeah, you got to wear those, uh, you know, those heavy boots, those work boots. Otherwise, you won't survive. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. It's no different than most American cities now. So yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Exactly. sounds like Portland. Just, yeah, <laughs> just the contents that are in in the syringes are one's anabolic, one's very catabolic. So. Yeah, yeah, and all the people here in uh, Oregon, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Scary. Yeah. All right. Well, we do have some questions. We've got some stuff from uh, Patreon. And, and maybe we won't make it as big of a topic as I initially made it out to be. I just needed a cover of some type. But we here's the situation is that, um, you know, I, I, I've seen a lot of guys that watch the shows that are absolutely inspired by Ron and Dusty. These are dudes with incredible genetics. They have pounded food to the point where, like, you know, here's what I see, basically. Guys with average to poor genetics who say hey you know i just want to be 300 pounds i just want to push it up as high as i can and it ends up for a lot of people being a really big mess you know insulin sensitivity goes down they end up gaining a lot more fat than they intended to uh, and then it becomes a lot harder to get back into shape they end up sacrificing a lot of muscle so for a guy who has good genetics and i'm not saying that you know or, or, or some variety of good genetics there's a lot of people that may be able to do that there's a lot of people that can't and so the question is is how do i grow muscle 
without getting fat. I thought maybe we could give people some tips on that topic and then knock out some Patreon questions. I got a big first first response. What's that? Start out lean. Like, yeah. There you go. That's you step need, number one. I think we you need to start out in a lean, a lean insulin sensitive state. Like, you know, like Steve's talking about a great recomp he had, but Steve's a technician on his own body. He does tons of experiments on his body. He knows exactly his caloric content, his his caloric expenditure, all those little details and things. The average person either doesn't have the time or the wherewithal to to really hone in on that stuff. That's why they hire people like us, right? right. So I think the main thing is if you're an average guy, let's say you're 20% body fat, you know, um, you need to get to a place that is more than fairly lean. I would, I would like to see like a seven, 8%, you know, not contest shape, but you know, like, Hey, you're four weeks out from a show. We could really push. I think that's a great starting point for a fact. You're going to be very insulin sensitive. Um, you know, I won't go, I won't steal everyone's thunder and go into the whole thing, but that's just my thing to add. I really think you need to start out in a very lean state if you want to maintain insulin sensitivity and grow without getting fat. Well, and the bitches, that's about 90% of the game right there. For the person. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's the truth. I know you didn't want to steal it, but that's that's yeah. the reality of it for 90% of the people who don't have great genetics. If you have a genetic predisposition to put on muscle, then you're probably going to get away with a lot more than the rest of us mere mortals. So you may not have to get lean because you're not going to struggle as much with insulin sensitivity. So you know, it, the... I guess the response or the answer, I think, needs to be geared more towards the 90%. And I think the vast majority of people listening to us are not genetically gifted. I do understand that Nick and Nick's mom listen, Nick Walker, (laughs) and Nick's mom, if she ever wanted to get into competing, I'm pretty sure her genetic potential may be pretty good. She may not have the insulin sensitivity issues, but the vast majority of people are going to struggle with that. So number one, I mean, I'm just going to reiterate what you said very quickly because Scott hates it when we go over the same the same thing and i get it but it is number one get lean it increases insulin sensitivity i would say even borderline depleted i mean mm-hmm. you don't want to just necessarily you know if you naturally run lean i would say even push it and just get yourself depleted but that point before prep is a is a good window i think where if you are seven eight percent i mean look most people on stage are you know without calipers but a true body fat is a low six high five you got exceptions to that but most people are in that area so you're pretty close to being contest ready you're a month you know arguably six weeks in there somewhere you're ready you're ready to grow and then the next step is how you're going to step that up incrementally and be able to read your feedback Stay insulin sensitive, push enough calories that you're growing, but not so much that you're going to lose sensitivity and ride it. Literally just ride it as long as you can be able to know when to pull back if you need to pull back. Uh, and I mean, I'd ask Scott and Steve hmm. piggyback off that. I mean, there's, is there more there? I think the occasional mini diet, you know, when you start yeah. to lose insulin sensitivity, yeah. like you dial it back, mm-hmm. you maybe do one week, two week, one month if it's required, clean up a little bit of body fat because eventually you're going to gain some body fat you know so if you can dial that back like the body fat that you just acquired is also very easy to diet off so if you can hover around six to eight percent body fat with careful manipulations of your diet and and then dial it back once you go over eight percent ten percent then you can easily get back to eight percent again but uh, the muscle mass will stay and the strength will stay because the diet is so short so if you do multiple phases like this maybe two months three months on a caloric surplus with a couple increments and then two to three weeks on a caloric deficit 
I think you can do that cyclically for one or two years and just put on mm -hmm. mass and mass and mass and mass and never really feel like you're struggling during the off season because you always have a couple of weeks um, at the end when food really gets high and you never really feel like you're dieting because it's only two or three weeks at right. a time. Well, you have to live like a hermit. Yeah, yeah, that's the part. That's the part people struggle meals, with, right? Yeah. <laughs> because as soon as you go on holiday, this momentum that you now built, right, the increased metabolism, the nutrient partitioning, and everything else that goes alongside of it, you're going on holiday like I am now. By the time I get back, I have to start from scratch again. Right. I think people misunderstand too. So let me just clarify what you're saying because I completely agree with you. You basically have to treat your off-season like a prep when oh, it comes yes. to, yeah. in the sense of structure, yeah. rigidity, you need to eat when you're supposed to eat. You're mm -hmm. not, oh, well, I feel like having a few beers with my friends and throwing down some pizza or going to Vegas for the weekend. Uh-uh. No. I mean, no. it's, it's, you can't approach it hmm. that way. 90% of us can't approach it that way. There are that 10, there's a 10% that can get away with it. But the rest of us, again, you have to approach it basically with the structure that you would uh, yeah. approach a prep. So when, when guys ask, I'll do whatever it takes, and you tell them right. sit at home for a year and only live in the kitchen and the bedroom and go to the gym, that's the only time you can go out. And on the way back from the gym, you can do grocery shopping. That's how you get to 300 pounds. And, and I think Ron and Dusty will tell you the exact same thing. Right. That's yeah. all they did, you know, and of course some business on the side. But I think the best times I grow is when I just lived as a hermit. Yeah. Eat, 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 and the drugs are not even that high. You know, 500 tests, some insulin, some GH, nothing exciting, but you're just sliming food the whole day to the point you get sick of it and you lose insulin sensitivity and then you dial back and then you go through the whole same process again. You might end up at like 6,000 calories per day, you know, which is a boatload of food if you want to eat it clean, but it's the exact same food that you would get lean on just in a higher quantity. You know, and maybe you get a little bit excited, you add some avocado, you know. Yeah. Toast. yeah. And if that's yeah. high point that in your good. day, that's yeah. be pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe a gourmet hamburger at the. Uh, how, the many, of the how many of that 90%, and it's a rhetorical question, I mm -hmm. guess, but how many of that 90% that battles with um, not having the genetic predisposition to gain mm -hmm. muscle and stay insulin sensitive has much of a social life? Not much. I know, right? It's It's. Down much you, you, no, you got to live like a hermit. And the yep. most social life you have is creating content online. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So you, you interact with people through the, you know, the YouTube or the Instagram. It's not real interactions because you're just doing the business of bodybuilding. Yeah. And then the only interactions you really have is just through, through the comment section because you're growing, 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 and everybody's capitalizing on it. Oh, Sam Sulik shouldn't be, right? Yeah. yeah. But he's eating and not missing meals. Not missing injections probably either, but at least he's fucking consistent, you know? So yeah. that's why he's making progress more than everybody else. And he's young. He's starting to figure it out. Um, but I, I think... And, and I don't mean it as a negative. No. I I'm just letting a, people know yeah. that if you're going to do it and you're going to do it right... It's not going to be fun. It's going yeah. to be your primary focus. Yeah. And the more you dig in and the more you focus on it and leave all the other crap on the side mm -hmm. to not be a distraction, you're going to make a lot more progress that way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But how many people are actually willing to do that? Exactly. You know, I, I've gone through a couple phases of my life. And at one point, you just, business starts to call and then it's hard to really juggle the, the, mm -hmm. you know, the off-season lifestyle and then and, and making solid money. So, which you do need for bodybuilding purposes because bodybuilding is very expensive sometimes. Right. I, I want to throw a thought in there to you guys. Um, 
You know, one of the things that, that I mentioned to a guy recently was a guy who's well under 200 pounds. I'm going to say he's in the 180s. And um, he, you know, he wants to grow as much muscle as possible. And like a lot of guys, you know, he's impatient. Like he wants it all and he wants it now. Um, we really struggled to get him in shape. Like he really had to burn the food down low. Um, you know, he gained some good initial weight in his off season uh, growing, and and we're at a point now where we're just attempting to try to go. I want to see the scale move, but I want to see it moved in a controlled way. Like I don't want to see like four pounds a week. You know what I'm saying? Like I know that that's trouble. So for somebody who um, maybe isn't going to have like the Ron and Dusty genetics, I'll call it, for putting muscle mass on, I might just have them try to go up a pound a week. And if they're getting stronger, if if they're, you know, they're, they're progressing in the gym in one way or another and everything's like feeling good, digestion's feeling good, they feel awesome, and the scale's moving up. Like my thought is, is how much muscle can we really gain in one week? If we go up one pound, did we really grow like a pound of muscle in one week? Like my thought is, no, we can't. You know what I mean? Right. But we can maybe set up some of that structure to grow muscle and, you know, what can we really go up a month? Can we go up four pounds of pure muscle in a month? Like, that's a lot, you know? So my thought is... is 50 pounds in a year. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. If you do that in five years, you're going to be, you know, 400 pounds or whatever. Yeah. So, I wish. So my thought is, you know, that's that's one of the, the routes I've taken with people is just control how fast that scale's going up and recognize, like, really ask yourself, how much muscle do we really think we're gaining in a week, you know? Yeah, because there's a huge gray area there, too, where people gain the weight. And as you pointed out, it's it's not all muscle tissue. There's hydration, there's fullness, there's glycogen, there's arguably sub-Q water in there too. So, and another thing that I'll do, piggybacking off of what you said, Scott, is we do have a big gain, a three or four pound gain, or we have a three pound gain, then I see another pound or two, then I'm going to pull it back and try to stabilize that weight yes. for a couple of weeks. Mm. I may not bring it back down, but I'm going to slow it down. I'm going to try to stabilize it. We'll keep it there for a couple of weeks. And then you also uh, commented on strength. If you're increasing strength within bodybuilding rep ranges, yeah, it's going to be virtually impossible not to be growing tissue. So that's another indication or a micro gauge to be able to tell whether you're growing muscle tissue or doing what it takes to grow muscle tissue and progressing in the right direction without the scale making these big jumps. You kind of you kind of mature into that weight. Yeah. Yeah, well, you're, 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 you get up to 250, 270, 280 pounds. And you just ha keep it there, but then slowly the body composition gets a lot better. You get more right. acclimatized and accustomed to this weight. The, the bloat goes down. Maybe the intestinal mass gets less as well. And then, you know, the, the difference over the course of like two or three months, even if you hover at 270 pounds the entire way, if you do the before and after pictures or the transition, you see that it's such a phenomenal progress. And of course, the logbook will represent that. So it's not only about body weight, but it's, you know, the body composition and, and you know, kind of how you carry that 270 pounds really plays into it. Yeah, you're talking about basically a recomp, and I couldn't agree more. And I think what people need to understand is not everybody can recomp terribly successfully. Because if you're able to recomp, then your insulin sensitivity isn't too bad. No. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're able to maintain that weight and you're getting leaner and your strength is going up and you're just like, you know, my, my scale weight isn't moving you're still insulin sensitive to the point where you're responding and you're, and you're growing. I always say, tell my clients, it's the best of both worlds. If you want to ride that as long as you can ride that versus 
just pushing your weight up. We get, you know, we are, we're in an industry, you know, where women tend to focus on the scale because that has, it's kind of a tool to measure body fat and how they feel about their body fat levels. On the other hand, guys look at it and it's a, it's a measure for us to gauge whether we're gaining muscle yeah. tissue or not. And, and both on both sides of the, no matter the gender, it's a really bad way to look at it. The scale is only one tool to help you gauge progress. It's still important and it's still a great tool, but it's not a standalone and it's not the last word. I would add to this that at one point you get so big that you're going to need a CPAP machine, you know, maybe because your <laughs> neck is huge, maybe because the food is pressing against your diaphragm in the middle of the night, right? If you're going to bed with a full stomach, it can also exacerbate sleep quality. Yeah. Um, so I think at one point everybody's going to have to succumb to the CPAP machine. Or you're Ron and Dusty, who they, neither of them needed one ever, like really? at their biggest. And that I think it's a genetic thing. Yeah. Like, you I, know, I don't need one either. But Ron you know, Partlow yeah. is like, oh, dig digestion issues? I never had digestive issues. <laughs> oh, sleep issues? I never had sleep issues. He's like, oh, I just I got up to 300 pounds because that's what you do when you're in body. Well, he's in that 10%. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? He doesn't qualify as the 90%. Right. Yeah, but he's also a different mindset. He's got that old school mindset. Like today, we're, we're much more educated about are you absorbing your food versus mm -hmm. just eating the food, right? Yeah. I think he's got a little bit of that old school mindset of like, well, coach said to eat 12 ounces of protein per meal, six meals a day. And there probably is that. And that's but what it But he was like, my, my stomach was never upset. He was like, I get bloated, but like everybody, if you're eating that much food every day, you know, your stomach's going to be bloated. But he's like, I never had like acid or anything. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, you know Maybe. that warrior mentality, though, because like, I, do, I, I do never thought I had yeah. digestive issues. I thought <laughs> I'm just doing what it takes to get big until yeah. I really analyzed. I was like, oh, wow, this could this is an actual digestive issue. And it could lead to SIBO and it could lead to this. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I, so see, I, I hear what you're yeah. saying, too. The education <laughs> level is so high today that I think we think we can do things a smarter, safer, healthier way. Uh, whereas back then it was just grit and get it done. You know what I mean? Yeah, mm -hmm. you see that nowadays with the Olympia competitors, they're 300 pounds, but they can still pull vacuums. But that wasn't True. the case 10, 20 years ago. Sure, so just make a dose on dextrose powder and, and, and you know, very rudimentary uh, in, uh, essential amino acids. But nowadays mm -hmm. it's all pre-digested. We use the high brand cyclic dextrins and, you know, some mm -hmm. other formulas for intestinal health. And, and I think that's the biggest difference of the last couple of years that really people focus on the digestive part and mm -hmm. not just slam into workout and simple sugars causing mm -hmm. all this visceral fat buildup. So mm -hmm. the guys are bigger than ever, but they can pull a vacuum. Mm -hmm. And I think the entire top five can pull a vacuum now. Mm -hmm. It's a huge big deal compared yeah. to you know what we had in the nineties. I mean, everybody had you know pregnant bellies on stage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, into the two thousands. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely two thousands for yeah. sure. What you know you're pushing one? a lot of weight when you time your sex around meals. Like, uh, <laughs> I sure bad. hope I, I sure hope I could pull some ass in the next 45 minutes because I yeah. gotta eat. Yeah. And I don't yeah. want to say anything, yeah, but it'd be nice if clock. we get it on right now. <laughs> but then you don't want it right after you eat because you're like, well, I just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what about James? It said, uh, well, how do powerlifters and strongmen grow so much while holding so much fat? Is it drug dependent or just raw power? I guess we could speculate, right? Everybody's well, unique. Uh, yeah, but they're also not necessarily as concerned about their physique and their their performance outside of the gym, right? I mean, it's it's a, it's a kind of a different animal because, yeah, sorry, Skip, we can't hear you, buddy. Um, it, they, they don't care about their physique as much as we do. So it's yeah. about, about the aesthetics of it. So, you know, holding 10 extra pounds of water doesn't, 
okay, whatever. It's a little bit more hydrostatic pressure for me when I'm benching or squatting or deadlifting. Whereas we care about those things. And I will say this, I do think bodybuilders especially pay a lot more attention to health markers and power lifters. Like all the power lifters I've ever worked mm -hmm. with, blood work was like something that you did Not when you got sick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was what you did when you, if you found out you were sick, it wasn't a preventative thing. Whereas bodybuilders, I mean, we got 19, 20 year old kids that are, that are getting into bodybuilding that have already done labs for us on their, on their questionnaire intake. Thank God. Right. It's about I mean, it, time it, that that started to happen. Yeah. I get it all the time with the kids mm -hmm. like, Hey, do you want me to send you my blood work too? And I'm like, Oh wow! Like I wouldn't have even thought Good that a nineteen-year-old kid would have thought to get that done. So, Good. so I just think it's a different game. Um, but then yeah. I also say this about powerlifters: their drug use is a lot more sporadic, in in a sense. And you know, they have no qualms about doing ten weeks on multiple orals. Where I think a bodybuilding, true, regardless, mm. separated from a, maybe a prep situation, that just wouldn't be the case. So. There's a lot of factors there on why, why powerlifters look and act and, and perform the way they do versus why bodybuilders perform and, and, and look the way we do. I mean, bodybuilding is the only sport where you get done the practice, you know, your training session, and you don't get to go and have a beer and hot dog after the game or a burger and fries with your buddies. It's you're back to your chicken and rice. You know, it, it, it's a 24-7, it's a 365 game, whereas these other sports, I know plenty of powerlifters just eat the first thing they can see. They don't necessarily have a, a planned diet. When you, when you look at the max weight of bodybuilders versus powerlifters and strongmen, I mean, the powerlifters go up to 400 pounds and the bodybuilders go up to 300 pounds, give or take maybe 330 at the extreme end. But the difference is not muscle. It's yes. maybe bone structure and fat. You know, and water. Extra 100 pounds, yeah, and a lot of water. I mean, when you look, look at Hofchor uh, Bjornsson and when he pulled that 1,000 pound uh, deadlift or the 505 kilograms, I mean, he was so bloated. Um, yeah, I was wondering what he was running, but we can only speculate. <laughs> yeah. Only speculate. yeah. Hey, what's up, guys? I have a lot of people who reach out to me on a regular basis who are trying to more effectively reach their goals. One of the biggest mistakes I see people make is that they're not getting enough protein. And there's only so much chicken breast we can eat through the day, but we can easily add a high quality protein supplement to boost those numbers up. True Nutrition has just about every protein powder you can think of from high quality weight isolate. If you don't tolerate lactose, then you could use their beef isolate or you could use their pea protein isolate if you don't eat animal products. They literally have everything you'd think of. I've believed in them for like a decade before they advertised with us. And they, they never went out of their way to say like, hey, we want to promote our stuff through you. I literally asked them because it's a company that I believe in. And at the end of the day, I want to see you guys reach your goals as effectively as possible. So if you use our code, think at true nutrition, you'll get some savings. You'll help to support our programming and you'll get some high quality products to more effectively reach your goals faster. I'm going to jump into some questions here, guys. We had from Patreon. And by the way, guys, we won't get a chance, I think, today to tackle all of the uh, the questions you have on YouTube. But definitely comment below uh, on YouTube, and uh, we will definitely get to them in the future. We're kind of just trying to get a show out this week. Uh, while I know, Andrew, you've got a bunch of people competing this weekend. Skip and oh, wow. I mm -hmm. and Steve are all heading down to, to Swiss. But we wanted to make sure we still got something out for you. Um, so over on Patreon... The question is um, for BSG. I went on vacation and I ate whatever I wanted. I planned on taking a diet break and allowing myself to gain a bit, but I gained 20 pounds in a week and I look like total crap now. I know how to diet. 
Um, but is there anything specific I can do to get back to baseline ASAP? Um, I was eating lowish carbs before the vacation, so I know it's a lot of water, but man, it looks like I gained 20 pounds of fat. Used to barely have abs, um, and now it looks like I'm months away. Go back to the regular diet. Give it a week. Yeah. Yeah. You'll probably yeah, you drop 18 too. pounds and you gain two pounds. Okay, whoop de doo You can get it off yeah. in a week or two. By yeah. the time this show comes out, yeah. it'll be five pounds leaner. You know? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, if he started at 150 pounds and he went to 170 or he was 250 and he went to 270, it's a big difference. But uh, I think most people are surprised. I think we've all heard it from clients. You know, mm-hmm. they, they don't know what to do. And we tell them to get back on their diet. And within five or six days, they're shocked that they not only had crazy good workouts and their strength is through the roof and the pumps are insane, uh, which I say, take advantage of that. But I almost read in reading between the lines when, when he says, I understand, or I know how to diet, but then says, what can I do ASAP? It's a contradiction. Yeah. So you either know what to do and you get back on the diet because there's nothing dramatic that you need. Let's just say you did add fat. There's nothing dramatic that's going to pull that fat out. You gain the fat. You yeah. ate yeah. like a hog on vacation. Sometimes we do it. I've done it. I've done so, it too, yeah. We all, yeah I mean, month, we've all yeah. done it. There are vacations and you know that you just let it all fly. And then there are vacations where you train and you keep everything tight and you come back. And I always tell clients, it just depends. You have to put yourself in that first couple of days when you come back. Do you want to come back to have to clean up a big mess and arguably have your blood pressure high and everything? You also have usually have flights in there, so you have cabin pressure. You have a lot going on. If you're on a lot of gear, I don't know that gaining a bunch of weight and getting on a pressure in a pressurized tube is a great idea. I tend to move around a lot, especially on an international flight, because I am scared to death of having a blood clot in my yeah. leg. Mm-hmm. Things like that. So I'm also 53, so I'm older than most who are listening, but and certainly older than any of you guys. So get back on the diet clean it up you're probably going to be in in very close to the condition that you were in a week and if you're not you've added some fat and you need to dial the you know how to diet you need to dial the calories back and and take off those few pounds can i ask you guys something mm-hmm. have you guys ever like traveled for a show like via plane have you ever held water from traveling on a plane not really Personally, i haven't I but i have had clients who have i came here well, shredded, you need to go but like <laughs> Getting through an airport, you're you're doing like six times your normal daily steps to get mm-hmm. to. Yeah. So I'm like, are these some of these guys that are holding crazy water? Are you literally like being wheelchaired or riding one of those emergency <laughs> vehicles? food. So 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 that, this is what a lot of competitors make the mistake. First, you have to fly out at least a week for your competition. Mm-hmm. So if you hold water, you can fix that with a little bit of depletion workout and then start the Easy. loading process. But a lot of these guys they just eat the plain food, and the airplane That's food is full with sodium. Oh, and yeah. you can see it right when they land. So I, I fasted right from Beijing to here. It's a 25, 27 hour trip. I didn't eat anything. I just drank water. I arrived just as lean as normal. Right? You, you probably look dry as a bone. Yeah, yeah. I have yeah. no indentations in my ankles. Yeah. I walked at the airport. I walked every hour when I was in the plane. Got some water. Went to the bathroom. Walked around a little bit. Interacted with the you know the stewardesses. <laughs> the something. I believe they're know. called flight attendants. Yeah, now. flight attendants. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. So, so. I just know some someone's gonna PC police us and be like, you know, you really yeah. need to refer to them by their proper terminology today. Yeah, air air hostesses. 
Well, we went to <laughs> air hostess <laughs> with the mostess. Yeah. <laughs> when we went to the gym, uh, uh, the the guy who works there, Stu, he's a cool, mm. cool dude. And Steve got talking to him, yeah. and he, and I was like, you know, he's visiting from Thailand, and yeah. he's like, oh my gosh, he's like, well, what are you doing? And I said, I introduced him. I said, Steve is a famous YouTuber. That's exactly the way I introduced him. I said, Steve Terrible. is a famous YouTuber. And he's like, oh, and he was like, it was a, it was fun to get to say that. <laughs> Yeah. So embarrassing. They asked me at immigration when I arrived in LA. What's your profession? I'm like, I guess I'm a YouTuber. And the guy just, Did you the just guy, figure it out at that time? Yeah, like, just like I guess I am. Yeah, because I don't co- I don't really coach anymore. So I don't. I guess oh, you're one of those. I'm like, yeah, it's terrible. Wait, no, but I, I, actually like I don't know what one. happens. Do, do yeah, you have no. to explain them? Like, I'm actually like a legit certified one. Like I have a lot of followers. People watch my, you know, because like yeah. everybody's a creator now, and yeah, yeah. they got like 200 views on like mm. on their whole collection combined, and and they're, they're posting all this stuff. No one watches it. And yeah. They still call themselves a creator or a YouTuber and all that stuff. Mm. But I, I think like when someone says that and they roll their eyes, you got to be like, no, no, like legit, like this is me. Like look at my video, like you know, 200,000 likes on it. That kind yeah, of. Yeah. Steve's about to get the silver play button for yeah, getting 100,000. So you'll have to carry yeah. that with you yeah like, we got you know, a big you... clock like uh, Flav Flav I mean we're all old enough to remember Flav Flav I like, I like the reference yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a skip yeah, reference like right there yeah. Yeah. put a little clock in it and then go yeah boy <laughs> you know the whole time <laughs> so uh, yeah no, it's. Uh, I guess that's my profession now it's a bit embarrassing though I'll tell you that is, is beef uh, isolate is that making a comeback because uh, we had a listener here, uh, Chris, who said, and I, I think he got a little bit of his wording kind of messed up here because he said mm-hmm. beef way. Uh, but he says, hey, maybe he means that. Have you guys seen beef way isolates making a rise in popularity again? I think he just means beef isolate making a rise in popularity. He said, I bought um, one because of the flavor was so ridiculously good. Um, and he says, uh, does anyone know what these powders are made of. I know, I know the old beef isolates were made of gelatin, mm-hmm. but wouldn't that mean that the amino acid profile mm-hmm. was nowhere near as good as a true whey isolate? Hydrolyzed plasma. Well, well yeah, but the thing is, <laughs> no, they, it, they can, that's what it is. Mm. It's hydrolyzed but, plasma. But with the old stuff, they would just add in the amino acids that were missing to make it a complete mm. protein yeah. Uh, I mean, it's okay. a very rudimentary way of saying it, but like, you know, there's, there's all types of ion exchange and, and different things you can do to isolate and then add um, things in to make peptide chains and whatnot. But um, I, I think that beef isolate is slightly making, I'm not going to say a comeback because I don't think it was that huge of a thing. I think it was a thing, but, but I don't think it was a huge thing. I think it's coming about because a lot of people are so more, in t- so much more in touch with their digestion that mm. they're finding that like from overuse and abuse of whey products, they might be developing sensitivities the same way someone can develop it, you know, a sensitivity to egg whites or too much chicken or whatever the, the, the protein source might be. So I can see that. Yeah. yeah. If you got a girl, you know, who's relying on 75 grams of her protein intake from, from whey isolate every day, and not rotating that source in and out with something else like you know over five six seven years of that like that can start to become an issue at times yeah. so absolutely yeah plus it causes acne in a lot of people so i, I usually don't even recommend whey protein anymore either essential amino acids or hydrolyzed collagen type one and three uh, is there a plug for that true nutrition there you go yes true <laughs> nutrition yeah or you gorilla mind if you're you know <laughs> 
Um, so, else we have. But I, I, I actually got approached by a company in New Zealand about a decade ago about having so much uh, blood plasma remaining after they're producing beef. Yeah. And I wanted to figure out if they could actually turn it into protein powder, similar to how whey protein is a byproduct of mm-hmm. cheese manufacturing. And I wanted to see if they could turn that into a beef protein product. And they actually were able to do that. And I think now they supply a lot of the beef protein, which is just hydrolyzed plasma. Right? And they, they extract the sodium because it's very high in sodium content. They do some sort of extraction process. And then they, they sell it as, a, you know, it's, it's just waste product, just like whey protein is. So there's a, I, we watched this show. Uh, it was like a geographic thing, this tribe that they live off their cattle completely. Right. And, is that what they are? Yeah, in Africa. Right? In Africa? They, they pierce the jugular. And, they do yeah. the blood. Yeah. They eat. Fat, they eat tons of uh, cattle and lamb meat. They eat like next to zero carbohydrate. Like their yeah. diet is straight fat and cholesterol and a little bit yeah. of protein. But a lot of blood. Best, mm-hmm. A lot of blood. They have the best incidences of of, of total body cholesterol. That like low cholesterol. No kidding. Uh, well, they walk like sometimes twenty miles a day. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, it is crazy, man. I hey, could you guys? Because I, I ate that. Um, Black pudding, they call it, which is cooked mm-hmm. blood. Yeah. Did you try that, Skip, when you were just over in England? Black yeah, pudding? I did. I actually what did you think? Good. Did you? I Dude, did. I, I thought it was pretty unique. It wasn't like I would sit down to a plate of it. Yeah. Um, I couldn't wrap my head was, around it, man. I took one bite, and I couldn't do another one. It just grossed me out thinking about it. You know, it's funny, because when it comes to food like that, I have to psychologically compartmentalize what it actually is and just go strictly by the taste. Yeah. And I think I can do that, but it, I'm probably better than most. I thought it tasted pretty good you it's kind of like sausage like said, the flavor yeah yeah you usually yeah. they mix organs dry in there. Like sausage in, when i was in mm-hmm. mongolia they they mixed all the organ meats into the blood and huh. then just cooked that in the stove and you got this pretty tasty sausage out of it you know made with the intestine <laughs> and i ate one of those yeah it's good protein yeah but eating that daily no thanks yeah. Right. yeah, but you know what I always tell myself? It's, it's all just carbon bonded to hydrogen, bonded to nitrogen. Like, if you just tell yourself that, like, mm-hmm. you can almost eat anything for, a, you know, a couple bites or, or a meal. You, you know? could get jacked off of blood. Like, they had they had these oh. big pitchers, too, and mm-hmm. they're like, and they would mix it with milk as well. So they'd drink the blood straight, and then they'd mix it with the milk, and then it was like, kind of tasted like milk, but kind of tasted like milk has some enzymes to break it all Think down. Think about this, something. though. For anybody who's listening and they go, Oh man, I can't even believe that. I would never eat blood or I would never drink blood or anything like that. Yeah. But you're okay with eating or drinking the cow's bodily fluid that comes from a bag that looks like it has dicks all over it. So I don't know if one is any worse than the other. I don't know. This is what you came here for, isn't it? That's what you came here for right there. I'm a big milk fan, not for digestive purposes, but just for taste. I was like, like I would go to the fridge and drink cold, you know, milk out of the jug and be like, Mm. oh, this is the best. Do you drink it anymore? No, Me from either. a digestive yeah. standpoint, I think it's I, I think it's garbage. But teach, <laughs> if it's an ice cream, then it's okay. But yeah, one thing I different. refuse to do, <laughs> I've never been on. Maybe if I was on a farm, I'd do this. But I'm not going to drink milk from an udder. I'm not doing it. Yeah, no. I'm just I not going to do I, it. No. No. It I'm hits scared. me in the face or something. Yeah, I'm trying to get it in my mouth and it hits me in the face and it what keeps about hitting if me. It, if I get it in my you eye know, like, and it burns. And you're like, <laughs> <laughs> you get it in your eye and it burns. I'm just not doing that. <laughs> what if it's a human udder? Like if it's your wife, you say, well, it extra milk. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> get all that colostrum in, you know. You can't miss that IGF one. Yeah, don't yeah, give it to the baby. Just take it yourself. <laughs> oh, we did have a training critique actually from uh, one of our guys. And by the way, too, especially people from Patreon. If you guys want to take part, we'd love to. We're trying to make a regular segment out of this for Blood, Sweat, and Gear. If you have any training videos, hit me up over on Patreon. I'll, I'll get you my information, and you can send it over to me. This is one of your clients, Andrew. This is uh, Chris, and I think you guys just—he just did a show, didn't he? Uh, yeah, I think he's like six weeks post show right now. He did the, um, oh man, I think he won the Cal State. Okay, uh, okay. It's, it's one of the California shows. That's like a. I think he did one of the joint pro. No, maybe it wasn't a pro show. I can't. I can't remember off the top of my head. But, but yeah, um, yeah, good, good competitor. I think he's got a really good physique and a good future. I think he doesn't think he looks as good as he does, which in a way is kind of a good trait for the body. Isn't that all of us? You yeah. know what I mean, or half of yeah, us. But, but, but it, yeah, it's 50 50 because some guys just think, you know, when they walk around the gym, they think they look like the man. And you're like, right. you have no idea about the wall you're walking into next week in, in the open class or in, in the national level or whatever it is that they're doing. And they come back, you know, and they, they stay covered up and they, they, they kind of go into a hole for like the next two months until they get back in their head that they're the shit again. Right. But, um, yeah, this, this is Chris. Um, this got a very looks small insulin. Weight. Looks very insulin sensitive. <laughs> yeah. Is this a physique? Okay, we're doing a physique. Well, I just Critique. introduced him. I wanted to bring his pictures up because he was talking about his training. And so I've got a few videos here. I'm going to see if I can go straight to these. But he he was saying, and, you know, you guys, I put that shot up because you guys can comment. But he said he felt like his arms needed uh, needed work. And he had a hard time connecting to his arms. I'm, I'm telling you, when I look at this picture, and maybe part of it is because he's in really good shape. But I feel like he has like his biceps look really strong, and I, I mean I could see maybe like maybe everybody could look better with bigger arms. We can all mm. use bigger arms, right? But yeah. I'm not. I don't look at this, and I'm not like, oh, dude, those arms suck. Yeah, I think a lot of times because I have similar arms in that sense. Um, when you have longer attachments and you don't have like the mm. short head, you know, that gives you that nice peak. When you have those longer, what's that? Mm. She's you, my wife's talking. I'm sorry. Uh, when you got those longer um, <laughs> muscle attachments, you, you kind of feel because, like, you might have a buddy that just has like this crazy Ronnie Coleman peak whenever he does, you know, a bicep curl, and you just see that, and you start thinking in your head, "Well, like, I don't see that when I do that." But like, <laughs> as part of his physique, though, I think they match really well with his mm -hmm. physique, and, and I wouldn't call them a weak point by any stretch. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, agree. I think he can fill out his triceps a little bit more, but it's always a continuous process. And maybe the exercise that he's doing right now for triceps are just he's not feeling them too well. Let me see if I can just pull this straight yeah. in. I might have to actually, actually, I have to download them, it looks like. So you guys are going to have to um, fill for me for just a minute while I continue to. Uh... And guys, there's always synthol. Yeah, exactly. There is always you know, synthol. But use that yeah. as a last resort. Yeah, you know. Zincrolex first. Yeah, yeah, there is Zincrolex yeah. first, yeah. One, yeah, milligram, yeah. one milligram per side. Let me get you guys' take on synthol because, you know, a lot of my guys ask me about it. And I'm kind of really only a, a, a fan of using those types of products in a contest prep. I, I don't like the idea of using it year-round. And the idea and, – and my reasoning is I just – I don't want to put that much um, sterile oil in the body because you know th there's a risk of that ending up in your lungs ending up in other areas mm -hmm. causing some you know some, some issues you know embolisms and whatnot sure so my take is that you know i really only want to use it when you're going to really visually see it and such as like a contest prep what, what do you guys think about that or do you have a different take i, I, I never I'm, recommended it ever so yeah 
Yeah. I, you know, I'm not against it. I don't get a lot of questions about it, but I'm not against it. I'll tell you this, though. There are many times where I have instead recommended just use, let's just say someone has, you know, weak side belts or trying to, you know, I'm just using this as an example. Just use like DHB and probe and put it in different, you know, different spots through your side delts and your rear delts. And they're going to be so sore and inflamed anyway that it's kind of doing the same thing. And you're not going to have to go through all that added volume of oil. You're not going to have to be, you know, put in these, these ridiculous amounts of oil. The other thing is, is you have to, if you're going to use it, you have to be good at using it because if you give it away, and and that's the other thing too, is you're going to, people need to understand you're going to lose separation in the Mm. muscle that you're putting it in. So, you have to be okay with giving up one, giving up the separation to get the size. So if you are just, if you just have this really weak muscle, your, your, your side, you know, your delts are just horrible compared to everything else. or your biceps are horrible compared to everything else. Then, then I can see using it. There's still the question of it's not true muscle so it's very cosmetic and that just gets into the to the moral and ethical dilemma there but you know i still am one of those that's to each your own we all use the tools or we have the tools at our disposal and it's up to that person whether they they want to use them or not uh what i don't want to do is i don't want to see any of my clients use the old school pose type yes it's just it's just it's just bad stuff. That's a that's a huge the, huge gamble. What about the urolonic acid? I hear some people use that pre contest the last that. week. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I've I've experienced with that myself. And, and in my case, I used it for two preps, um, starting at like maybe eight weeks out, I think, and then running it until about ten days out. And mm-hmm. now the thing with the hyaluronic acid is that I think it's much safer. But but the claims of like it holds. 2000 percent times yeah, more 500 times water. it's way you do the math on that yeah. your arm would be like the size of this room if you if you did the math like it just doesn't make sense so, so someone no, was no, greg valentino use right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um but beyond that so like i thought it was fine i didn't notice any loss of separation but okay. keep in mind i was like meticulous about where i put it i mean like like i would the exact same spots and then i would literally just move it just like a tiny little bit to to you know create not create scar tissue mm-hmm. um i do think you need to make sure you don't do it for a week to 10 days before you get on stage just because right. there is information that's associated with that and i'll also say this though the hyaluronic acid you lose that visual gain or effect you want to call it a lot quicker than say the synthol mm-hmm. oil-based products mm-hmm. you know I'm, I'm talking like you lose you start losing it like within two weeks so it's not a permanent thing it's not a and i know and i I think the reason why the 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 ha guys try to promote it as you need to use it year round is because you know you take two three weeks off you're like i don't even feel feel like i've started using this stuff yet did you use more than what because i remember when there was some out a while back um it said you only needed to use like one milliliter a week Something that, like that wouldn't do anything. That wouldn't do anything. So, so it was like, so, you, you have to. This is yeah. what I did because the other thing is you need to get used to that sensation and that feeling. And, and I use it in my biceps and, and a little bit in my tries. It's a very weird feeling. It's it's not a pump. It's, you know, they, they try to market it as like your arms feel pumped all the time. Now nah, it's more of like a dull ache. It, it feels like there's shit sitting in your arms for lack yeah. of a better term, you know? Yeah, it takes and, well to absorb also. So that's why maybe you have the two week sweet spot. 
Yeah, and so my protocol was, and, and some of the clients that I had used this was, you know, start out with a CC. Like I did it in two spots in my biceps because you needed to do the peak and um, the what? Uh, well, you need to you need to do both heads, right? Mm-hmm. So I would start out with one CC twice a week, and then I would upgrade that to um, one and a half CCs twice a week, and each week I would add a half CC twice a week until I got to three cc's total. So eventually it was a total of 12 cc's in the arms each week after like six or seven weeks. And that would be the peak of it. And usually that would take me to like 12, 15 days out from the show. And I might repeat that one more time and then stop using it um, completely. I, I've got the videos here. I will add just one thing, and I knew a good uh, you know, pro who used it in his arms, uh, a traditional SEO, and um, he ended up suffering damage from it. And, and as he retired, like his biceps just didn't peak the way they used yeah. to. So there I is think that, that has to do with the, the length of the needle he was using and, and oh. neuropathy and nerve damage. And, and I've talked to Dante about this extensively. Like we sent yeah. pictures back to each other back and forth about guys that have done, you know, it's very obvious and very well-known pros that, um, that, that did this in the nineties and early two thousands. And we're famous for using like those one and a half inch. You guys can probably think of who I'm talking about. Okay. Um, kind of has a name that sounds like royalty um, that, you know, their <laughs> biceps just don't look, good anymore you know i hate to say it but um yeah okay here's some training stuff i don't know what the order was here um i'll mostly just focus you gave me some tricep exercises um and this looked like it was the most like compound movement that he had so i'll bring this one in let's see oh and it's not showing how do we go how do we do that let's see does that work no apparently that's not working um, you know what? We're just going to have to skip this this time because I have things set up completely different with uh, Stefan and all of this. Uh, sorry, sorry to break so your group. We'll just, we'll just wait. We will <laughs> we'll wait. We'll do it next time. Yeah, yeah, we'll do it next time. We'll wait on I'll that. Be, I'll be out of your hairs uh, tomorrow. And I think maybe, I maybe have, a quick wrap up, though, is yeah. talking about, you know, how to layer your tricep workout in particular, you know, because your exercise yes. selection, where you put mm-hmm. them in your training, uh, training session, you know, that plays a big deal. I think most people would agree that you need to do some type of tricep press down, some type of something that's safe for the elbows before you move into, say, the compound or the overhead mm-hmm. type stuff. Would you guys agree or disagree? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like Skip, what's your what, what's your you know your go to tricep regimen usually? I'm gonna open uh, just like what I'm doing right now. I'm gonna open with press downs. I may vary the um, you know the grip, whether it be rope yeah. or you know easy cur- something. Sometimes, and recently, I've been getting into doing the reverse easy press down, and I, you know I know there's a certain person out there, and I don't want to give him any attention. Um, who says that no matter the elbow position or the hand position that it hits the tricep the same. And I'm just never in my lifetime going to believe that. I find that to be silly. Now, if you guys disagree, that's cool. I'm just telling you, I'm being honest. I think that's silly. I've trained almost 40 years and I can tell the subtle differences in the things that just where the stress is in the tricep. Do all the tricep heads fire? Of course they do. So I'll open with something, like you said, for that reason. I am not going to put my elbows in a vulnerable position. Then I'm going to go to, I usually do a, um, I call it a long head movement. So I'm a double dumbbell guy with a neutral grip, and I'll lean back against, most people do them on an incline. I want to lean back against the preacher curl because I want to be able to hang over the back of it. Okay. And I'll do Mm -hmm. extensions that way uh, very carefully. It's not a big 
poundage or a big, you know, big weight movement, but mm-hmm. we'll see how they feel. Do you have a then dumbbell go, in each hand when you're doing yeah. that? Or is it, okay, just check. Yeah, I, I won't do or two, I have them both. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Okay. And um, then I'm going to go to some type of, I, I hate to call them skull crushers because that's what football players call them, but lying tricep extensions, whether it be, sometimes it'll be a decline, sometimes it'll be a flat, sometimes it'll be an incline. Uh, open angle, of course, so the bar isn't hitting me in the nose, it's going to hit me on the top of the head. And then I'm going to finish with something compound like a uh, hammer dip so that it's more of a, I call it, for lack of a better word, it's just more of a finisher. I'm not going huge reps or anything. I want a full, good squeeze contraction you know, and focus on my triceps as much as possible. But that's a typical tricep workout for me as far as sequence, um, exercises, that sort of thing. Yeah, I have not much to add, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that, that would be a very typical yeah. workout me and yeah. Nate would do, too. You know? Yeah, maybe, and maybe, one more question. Maybe, you guys even tates, count reps tates, tates, tates. like this? <laughs> That's yeah. a good guy. I like yeah. that question. Yeah. If, I don't, if I'm not getting, like, at least eight reps, then I'll probably add a little bit more weight, honestly. Yeah. But, but, I mean, do you, when you're doing, like, your all-out work sets, do you even count? Can you can you count the reps? Do you count the reps? Like you're emptying the tank on a hack squat, you know, or mm. or any any exercise really. Like especially actually especially triceps. I don't think I've ever counted the reps on a tricep. Like I go until it burns and I try to get like two more with like some slightly forced reps and then mm. you know what I'm saying? Like it's yeah. It's, like, I know and me mean. and Nate were talking about this the other day, like because we were doing a YouTube video with with, with his guy and we nice. were kind of explaining like we're not so concerned with like these numbers that because everyone's always so concerned about numbers reps and reserve um you know uh progressive overload you know all these different data points and we're like well we're experienced like we know like when we're hitting effective reps and when and when we're just warming up or we're just kind of bagging it you know yeah. and i think that comes with some experience to the point where like we don't need to know that we did exactly 12 reps if that was the goal of, of the set maybe we did 15 maybe we did 14 maybe we got yeah. 11 or 9 or something like that but but we know that we effectively hit the set. That was just kind of a point that I was trying to make there. I count them, but it's more out of habit after training for so long. Sure. I don't care. I guess a better way to explain is I don't care where I end up. It yeah, may be okay. 13. It may be 16. You know, if I get to 15, some people be like, oh, okay, I'll go up. You know what? Maybe I go. I have this thing where if I get to 15, I have to get to 16 because if I get <laughs> to 16 and the form is tight, then I know full well that I need to go up from there. But there are That's days, good. you know, I don't have rep schemes. So there are days where sometimes it's 12 to 15 farms and other days I might drop down. And I rarely do, but I might drop down under 10, down to like eight. But that's yeah. later in the session where I'm completely warm right. and I'm not feeling anything in my elbows. There's nothing yeah. there that's making me go, be careful. It's just one of those days where everything feels real good. The contraction is good. The control is good. I'll stop an exercise if I feel like I don't, if I'm not feeling it evenly left to right. Yeah, right. That set that's is moving. done. Mm-hmm. And if I can't get into a different weight and feel it, I'm changing that exercise out. I won't battle left to right on anything. Legs, back, arms, nothing. What, mm-hmm. what about number of sets you guys would do on, a say, a tricep day? Or, you know, tricep exercises that you're you – know, all your exercises together that we've just talked about. How many would you I just set my skip? four. I do – I try to stay within only with two working sets per exercise sometimes it'll go to three if it feels great but the reason i have to put parameters around it because i'm i have that old school mentality i want to do like if i fight with myself because it's that i can do more work but do i need more work yeah so i try to keep it as low as possible because if i don't 
I'll find myself at 18 sets for back, 15 sure. sets for back. And there's no way I'm going to progress on that because I'm taking my working sets to failure. That's just silly. So I have to put parameters around it, but I might change it by one or two depending on how that exercise feels. Right. Yeah. And then, then regarding in relation to other workouts, like if you do your push day, you have chest, shoulders, and triceps. So it's a lot of extra volume. You're already hitting right. your triceps. Sure. But if you do a separate arm day, you could probably right. get away with more working sets. Which I think is a very good point because I train arms the last day of the week. They're not a priority for me. I don't have great body parts, but my arms are better than pretty much everything else. So I leave them for the end of the week. And they're, it's kind of a, it's still a hard workout, but it ain't legs, it ain't yeah. back, and it ain't yeah. chest and shoulders because I need help on everything except maybe arms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do like between probably, I think it ends up somewhere between nine and maybe 15 sets. Mm -hmm. Right. But I mean, but it all, it's taken into account, like, because as Steve pointed out, like, well, did you do one or two tricep movements as part of your push day? Well, that's kind of in the back of my mind, too. Like, I'm not going to do 16 sets for triceps for three or four days later if yeah. I just did, you know what I mean? So the, it, it, we don't, we have like a set routine that we're like a, a structure, I should say, we're following, but we don't, we're not married to it, you know? Like, yeah. we were doing, like, say, chest, shoulders, and triceps. Actually, we we're doing arms with chest and shoulders, maybe two, two exercises for arms each. And then, like, I think last week, our chest and shoulder workout was just going so well that we just kept it at that. And we said, let's mm -hmm. just throw an arm day in this week. So we went a little bit, you know, we did more volume and, and did a voluminous arm day. But this week, we probably won't do that. It'll probably just be back to our chest, shoulders, and arms again. So I think there's I something else, too. I just wonder what you guys think on this. Training biceps, as an example, I don't consider hammer curls. And I know you guys will be like, you might be like, oh, wait. But I don't consider hammer curls a direct bicep exercise. I, I, do. I don't count them. I either add hammer curls at the end of biceps as an mm -hmm. extra exercise yeah. or I leave them out completely. It doesn't change my direct bicep, you know, kind of like an overhand grip for biceps. It doesn't change my volume for biceps. I and I love do doing them. them. I just they, don't do I, them. I go like this. Oh, like I'm trying to straighten my arm out 10 minutes oh. later. I, <laughs> oh, you get a cramp every, yeah. every time. Yeah. Really? Yep. Yeah, yeah, I do it at the end of my uh, pull day. Yeah. Okay. But again, I do okay. push pull legs yeah. right now, but I do legs twice: one one quad focus, one hamstring and glute focused. Yep. And because I'm not really building muscle, I'm just trying to maintain what I have. Um, yeah, which ain't much anymore. But <laughs> <laughs> getting up there after ten months off, man, it's hard to sustain. It's really hard. Yeah. yeah, but like you know, I think what you're doing is a good blueprint for guys that like. And you're, I mean, you're you're trying to get your wife pregnant. Mm -hmm. We all have guys that are in that situation at different times of their training careers. Mm -hmm. I think this is a good good blueprint because some guys, you know, when you take the drugs out, you realize how much it was supporting their physique because oh, they yeah. yeah yeah. And you're like, okay, we really need to focus on your training and diet and all these other things that I thought that you had under control. Mm -hmm. Whereas like Steve, like, I mean, I wouldn't have known that you were off, you know, anabolic PEDs with the exception of no, really. know, the peptides. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So um, good, great blueprint. Thank you. And Thank I give you, you props for actually getting off gear to get your wife pregnant because any one of us would have stepped in and gotten your yeah. wife pregnant for you and you could have just stayed oh right my here. god I get these you knew that was coming TRT. Just, <laughs> you, you, was yeah. it that predictable for real yeah. damn you knew that good. was coming it was good yeah it's a classic skip just moment that's what you came for that's what he came for trying to help a friend that's all I'm doing yeah. completely well, selfless 
let's wrap this thing up. I know, Skip, you got to fly in the morning or that tomorrow morning, you said, right? You're, yeah. you're flying out to Swiss. And we're going to drive down. Uh, so Steve's only real um, visit to the U.S. was uh, getting to see places like Los Angeles, downtown Los Angeles yeah. and um, Las Vegas. Yeah. So he hasn't seen like real America. We're driving through the country, through Ohio, down to, to Columbus <laughs> tomorrow. He's going to see like what the real Midwest is. But I will say this. This is a perfect time because all the leaves are like perfectly changing right, right now. And it's uh, it's still it warm-ish, nice you know, like yeah. 60 degrees no, wait, 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 outside. Wait, wait, wait. Sunny. Most important question. Most important question. Yeah. When are you guys going to the range? Because I'm sure Steve doesn't have access to farm. Do you guys have access to firearms? We, uh, we just went to the home range, which is actually off camera. Yeah. Uh, so we did sample right off the plane. He was like, here, hold this. I gave him the tour. <laughs> part of the tour was to show him the arsenal as part of the tour of the house. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. And you're like, here, you can hold this gun while you're in the States. This is yours while you're here. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. Is- <laughs> I'm strapping right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we should go to the range. But I'm not sure if we have time. Well, today is pretty late already. So. Yeah, it's getting late. And then we have to leave decently early tomorrow. So we'll see yeah. if we can make it happen tomorrow. Yeah. Steve's running on fumes, I'm sure, too, because with just all the traffic. Just go the front yard. Detroit's yeah. basically a range. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> have a pond or something, I can just offer no a shotgun. No one's going to call the cops for gunshots in Detroit. Yeah, just go into the hood and just start shooting. <laughs> yeah, it's probably somebody's birthday party or something. <laughs> but we appreciate you guys tuning in and hanging out with us. We'll be back. So as always, uh, comment with questions. We appreciate everybody, all your questions and comments. You guys help to make this thing happen. And of course, if you're new here, you know, I should have mentioned a long time ago, hit the subscribe button because, you know, we need we need to try to catch up to Steve. Yeah, subscribe, guys. I'll have uh, Steve's information down below, too. If you guys aren't already subscribed to him, what do you what are you doing now? Like, I know you're away. So, like, what's going on with the channel at this moment? I have like a lot of uh, videos preloaded. Okay. And then I got some content from China, trading content. So I'll do like voiceover. And I know whatever happens, happens. If I don't have content, then I guess there's no content. It's, it's that simple, yeah. Okay. I mean, what, what are we going to do? I'm, I'm here to have fun and meet my friends and, you know, go out to dinner and get fat and enjoy America. So if there's no videos for a month, then too bad. It'll be videos when I get back. You can't recognize me because I have, like, the Michelin man face again. Who's this guy? Yeah. 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 He's really off cycle now, you know. Yeah. yeah. So we'll just we'll take it as it goes, man. All right. That yeah. sounds good. Yeah. And, of course, go to bodyberry.com. You can read out, reach out to Andrew there teamskip.com you can reach out to skip there mcnally diets at gmail.com uh, as i already mentioned at the beginning truenutrition.com thank you for your support you can uh, help to support us by shopping with them and using our code think supplementsource.ca for canadians they have great deals that change week to week uh, basically all the questions we had today were from patreon i have a thread over there for patreon questions and um, you guys are getting to see the reaction videos early i'm getting those uploaded right after we record them so they're up like a week in advance that's just a small way that i can say thank you to uh, to you for supporting our shows and uh, that's all we got. What do you think about sitting out on the show, Steve? This is your it's, first time actually here. Great. Yeah, it's 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 surreal to be in the studio. That I, I'm I've been watching your channel since the early days, since before you had a YouTube channel. Which yeah, it was just Advices Radio. So it's really cool to be here finally, because I was a big fan since the start. This is cool. Yeah. Well, we appreciate awesome. having you here, man. Anytime, this is awesome. anytime, anytime. And guys, yeah, if you see us great. at Swiss, just come say hi, okay? Don't be shy. Yes. Don't be scared. We're big, but not that big. You can always come talk to us. Skip's the tan one. You'll be able to spot us. Just look you come for talk Skip. To me. I'm not very big. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, for another episode of Blood, Sweat, and Gear, we'll see you soon. Take care. And thanks to everybody in the live stream. You guys are awesome. We do need to get to that. <laughs> <laughs>